This is JJ Reddick here to talk to you about the JJ Reddick Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Currently, I play in the NBA for the Philadelphia 76ers, but you may know me from my previous teams, the LA Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Orlando Magic, or from my college days at Duke University. Being a professional basketball player, I have a great opportunity to talk to a lot of interesting people, and the podcast is a place where I can share those conversations with you, the listener. On my show, I sit down with athletes, celebrities, and a variety of other special guests. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the JJ Reddick Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, it is April 25th, and I am in Los Angeles, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? I am great, Tate Frazier. I love it. I, I don't love the, the uniform. I mean, I never was really a big fan of that uniform, because we've had so many of them, which is I'm also not a big fan of, but... Mm-hmm. How about my Sixers last night? Well, you got to be loving it, right? I got a Jerry Stackhouse jersey on for people that cannot see this. So old I didn't Sixers. know he was a coach. I mean, he might get the next job. Is yeah, that true? He's up there. He's doing really well in the in the wow, G that's League. Impressive. So it's good for Jerry. Uh, the Kangaroo Kid, Billy Cunningham, another I love a Billy favorite Cunningham. of mine. Yeah. I love Billy so Cunningham. For all those Philly fans that come after us, you know they were all upset last year. We just want to say this is what we call uh, in the business a pander. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm wearing a Philadelphia jersey. I'm just embracing them. Have you ever? Did, were you old enough to remember the Spectrum? No. No. Yeah, the Spectrum would rock. <laughs> the Spectrum was great. I used to when I would come down from there's college, like the Spectrum Center now, which is like the cable news. Yeah, business, but I mean, when I was into. in college, I would come down because the Sixers were good. You mm-hmm. know, they had Andrew Tony, who I yeah. loved. They had Bobby Jones. You know, they were a good team, right? So and the the Chocolate Thunder, Daryl, and I, I would be in school, and if I'd come down in May, and I would just try to buy it, any mm-hmm. seat I could at the top. The Spectrum was one of those bad buildings, you know, but it was great to see it. You know, saw Springsteen in the Spectrum, saw Billy Joel in the Spectrum. <laughs> I think the main I thing saw is Bruno Sammartino. Tino, he used to wrestle in the Spectrum. I didn't see him, but he used to wrestle in there. God rest Bruno San Martino. See, you're too young for him because he was like the number one wrestler of the time. You know, he would come out and he was like, he was Italian, so naturally I liked mm-hmm. him. But then, you know, you would wonder, because we did this Andre the Giant thing, which was great. You saw that, yeah, right? It was a great documentary awesome. yeah, by the boss, Bill Simmons. But you would wonder why... Andre wasn't the champion and he couldn't beat Bruno because Bruno barely <laughs> made it up to his navel. Like I was sitting at home saying this doesn't make any sense. That was probably the first time people had some questions as to whether there was a script behind all this. Yeah, yeah maybe. exactly. But, but it the, is a real sport, of course. But the spectrum was great. And, okay. it's, and now it's rocking. I mean, I thought last night the Wells Fargo Center, because, you know, when we were when, when the Sixers were good the last time when Larry was coaching the team, Larry Brown with Iverson and that really good team. Early 2000s, yeah. Right, because really Stackhouse made that team because Mm -hmm. we traded Stackhouse for Aaron McKee and Theo Ratliff, which was the two components of the team that really won. That that it was loud and lively, but it didn't have the same passion that that crowd did last night. Like To me, that was the greatest... Sixer basketball crowd I've seen in a long time, and I would say I think it has a lot to do with belief. You know, we've we, you've gone through this whole process. You know, of course, trust the process. But the bigger news and how it all comes back to football is that Robert Kraft had a hand in freeing Meek Mill. You know, he Meek got Mill Meek the, Mill got freed. Yeah, yeah I saw it. Robert he Kraft. threw the private plane up there. Do you see him there <laughs> taking the picture? I cannot believe that that happened. That was one of the strangest things you'll ever see. And a, a good crossover between the NBA and the NFL. It shows and rap you, music in it, general. It shows you to have friends in the right places, Tate Frazier. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, Meek I, Mill is free. Meek uh, Mill's congratulations, free. Meek Mill. Uh, congratulations to Robert Kraft. That was a good moment for him and his PR company, I'm sure. Yeah, you uh, know, s- since I watched since I watched Jay-Z, I was like, 
you know, like this rap stuff, I'm kind of getting the little handle of it. Yeah. I like it. I can't really remember any of the names of the people. I was on the street the other day in Hollywood. I brought my, my cousin came out to visit, mm -hmm. so Millie and I took him around. Your we cousin walking, Vinny? My cousin Vinny. And he's Vince Lombardi, <laughs> yeah. who also a Packer fan, yeah. right? There you he, go. He's a Packer fan. He thinks he can run the Packer organization like tomorrow. Like every, you know, every he bitches all the time about Ted Thompson. Now he's bitching about Brian. He bitches about everybody. But a Nick fan and a, and a Packer fan. So anyway, I'm standing on the street corner. I'm getting ready to cross the street. This guy's got a boom box, one of these little boxes. He's mm -hmm. playing rap music and I'm like who was that singing you know and a guy told me and I couldn't remember it but but anyway I'm kind of getting into it was it. probably him he's probably passing out mixtapes he was, he was pretty happy Hollywood about Boulevard. it he was yeah. pretty happy about it of course because it. it was his own uh, let's talk about a team that's trying to figure out their own level of happiness and what they want to do in the future and that is Huey Headlines Cleveland Browns uh, they have a lot of stuff leaking out of there a lot of a lot of reports a lot of different things uh, Josina Anderson I saw on ESPN was there live talked to Dorsey the GM uh, he said that they have a pick they are you know content with the pick they're still taking phone calls people have called and inquired about the number one pick um, and we're hearing some new things that they have a favorite. Yeah, I mean, look, the word's leaking out that it's Baker Mayfield. Today, that was reported uh, that that they're down on Darnold, that it is now between Mayfield and Allen, mm -hmm. if you believe that. I mean, Dorsey's history has been when he was in Kansas City, he would not tell anybody in the organization who the pick was until the day of the draft. And so I don't know if he did that with Andy Reid. How would he tell him, Dave? Was it an email? Was it a text no, message? No, I'm sure he probably, called he, every, he probably called everybody in the room and said, hey, look, if this guy's here, we're going to take him. If this guy's here, mm -hmm. you know, if, if not, we're going here. But mm -hmm. he would kind of let everybody know. Look, I think what Dorsey's doing is fine because there's so many leaks. And one of the leaks, you know, you got so many people that have an agenda to kind of get close to the pick. And so I think it's a smart play. But to me, the smarter play, the more you really study this draft, Tate Fraser, and I know Cleveland needs a quarterback bad. And I know the Giants need a quarterback. And I know there's so many teams that need a quarterback. But there's three really, to me, Pro Bowl players. There's two long-term Pro Bowl players. You know, Bradley Chubb, I love Bradley Chubb. I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. And I think he'll make the Pro Bowl. I think that Nelson from Notre Dame. Quentin Nelson. Quentin yep. Nelson is a lock to go to the Pro Bowl. You're talking 10 years. You you could talk about, he might be, I was talking to a guy who's been scouting in the league since 1981, and he said it was the best guard he's ever watched. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I didn't watch John Hanna coming out. You don't even remember who John Hanna was. You're too <laughs> young, but John Hanna was incredible from Alabama. This kid, to me, is not only a pro bowler, but this kid could be a future Hall of Fame guy. You pass him, you pass Chubb, and then you pass my favorite player, and we'll get to him later, Rokon Smith. To me, Rokon Smith is the best player in the draft. He's the best player in the draft. I had Chubb there earlier, but the more you watch Smith, he's the best player in the draft. And when I look at these mocks and see Rokon Smith going at 12, that just tells you that really nobody really knows. So when you take these quarterbacks – and you pass away from one of these three players that I think are lock Pro Bowl players. I mean, I'm talking lock. Now you could put Barkley in there, but Bar you know injuries kind of sometimes backs. I think Barkley's a great player. Does he have Pro Bowl potential? Absolutely. But those three, to me, because of their positions, are locks, and they get long term contracts. You walk away from those guys, like just hypothetically, mm -hmm. like say we were playing in a room, like say the Browns. You know they got all these extra picks. Why not pick? You could pick. Chubb or Rokon the first pick, you could come back and pick Nelson the third, pick, the fourth pick, right? And then trade a bunch of picks to try to get up in the 10, 20, and maybe you pick, maybe you get Lamar, maybe you get Rosen, and you could end up with three of these guys. 
That's an option, but it seems like Cleveland has already said to the fact that they will take a quarterback first. It's been a de facto statement that they have right. to, because they missed in these previous drafts, we've talked about you know, Deshaun, we've talked about the fact that they missed on Carson Wentz. Now it seems like they have to take that quarterback, and it, everything that's reported out of there seems like they're going to do that, Yeah, despite I, what you're saying. Yeah, and I, to me, I think there's always a draft that you have to define, that a personnel director has to in these mock drafts. Yesterday I was messing around with the computer, and I Googled NFL mock drafts, 606,000 <laughs> mock drafts came up, okay? I mean, a guy in Des Moines, Iowa, he has a mock draft out, and his, you know, you better pay attention to it. he's getting hits. He's getting, he's in his basement, <laughs> and he's getting hits on Dorsey's it. looking at it. I mean, everybody's looking at it, right? But there's always a point in a draft where you have to say there's a line of demarcation, okay? So when you get to pick 14, 15, 60, and this draft, I would say it's probably around 18. Mm-hmm. Every pick 18 and above are really good players have potential to go to the pro. When you get to 19 and down, you could pick the guy at 40 who could be just as good as the guy at 19. And so that's why I think what we're seeing is Seattle, for example. Seattle is trying desperately to get more picks. They'll trade 18 to go back as quickly as they can. All right. And with that in mind, if you're Cleveland, who's had all these picks for so long, you could end up with two Hall of Fame players, maybe, and then get to 18 and maybe you could get some other and then get higher. You might think about doing that. Green Bay, another team. I'm sorry, Vince, but they want to trade down. Vince thinks they should trade up. You know, anyway, they want to trade down. And that's where I think that the area of this draft is a little bit iffy is when you get in those teens and the 20s that you know, it becomes problematic for them. And you talk about a team like the Packers there, you know, a lot of people have pinned them as a team that needs a wide out on the outside for Aaron Rodgers, but you can find those specialists later. Right. So that's why they're willing to move back. Right. Seattle is another team that, you know, they, they may be looking for some offensive line help. There's some guys like Ragnall that we talked about right. on, on the last podcast that could be the 40th pick. And if you had the 20th pick, you can drop back right. and still get I, I don't know if Ragnall will go that low, but your point's well taken. I yeah. mean, there's going to be guards available, whether mm-hmm. it's Ragnall or somebody else, fill in the blank, whoever it is, there'll be another guard or you could take or the be another position. Seattle needs more players. Green Bay's looking for the value. Again, the value is, where is the value? And where's that line of demarcation in this draft? And I think that's where it is. And I think as you're a team looking at that, you're saying, wow, I, I could get the same value. Now, do I think New England could move up? Yeah, I think New England could move up from 23, but I think they'll move down from 31. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to try to collect picks. Do I th- you know, try to replace the pick maybe they lose to move up? Do I think they're moving up to get a quarterback? I don't think so. I think they're moving up to get in above the line of demarcation. That's what I think. And what about the a team like the Buffalo Bills? They're trying to find that quarterback. They have a lot of picks on the right. back end, so they could use and, and bundle some of those to move up and get right. a quarterback, especially if we see a 1-2-3 type scenario where those quarterbacks come off right. early. I, and, and to me, if you're Chris Ballard, I'll say this again, if you're Chris Ballard, you're praying the quarterbacks go 1-2-3. Mm-hmm. You're praying that because now all of a sudden you're sitting at 6 and you got a chance to get one of those Hall of Fame Pro Bowl type players that that you feel are great at. You could get Nelson, you could get Smith, or you could get Chubb. Phil, whoever I get, I get. I'm just lucky to I'm happy to be here. And you're not trading away from those three. Or you could pick Barkley. You know, then you could get Barkley. Now I think if Cleveland picks the quarterback at one, I think they're definitely gonna pick Barkley at three at four. And do we have a situation where let's say Cleveland goes with Baker Mayfield, like you know what a lot of people are saying right now, and we have that number two pick, the New York Giants. They they're not really locked in on Chubb or Smith or whoever, and they're willing to go back. Will a team trade up to try to get one of those guys? You know, if I'm if I'm Dave, look, I I, I disagree with the Giants' premise that Eli's got five more years. Mm-hmm. I've made that clear. I don't disagree with the Giants' premise that that the quarterbacks are worthy of that of that pick. Like to me, if I'm Dave Gettleman, I'm not passing Smith. 
I'm not passing Nelson, and I'm not passing Chubb. And there's a, there's somewhat of a belief that if Barkley does not go, uh, I'm sorry, Bar- not Barkley, if Darnold does not go number one to the Browns, that they would take Darnold right. there as their de facto number one pick. They, they, they feel like maybe that's the case. But to me, to me, if they feel that strongly, then they should take the quarterback. But I would never, if I'm him, if you believe that Eli can play, I don't believe that, but I think I would wait another draft because if I took Nelson, I know I got a Pro Bowl guard for probably the next eight years. If I take Chubb, I know I got a Pro Bowl type defensive tackle in two contracts that are going to be economic for me and they're going to be, I could sign them. If I take Smith, all of a sudden my defense is way better. I've got basically Derek Brooks on defense, and that's who I think he is. I think he's Derek Brooks better. Mm-hmm. And Brooks is in the Hall of Fame. So to me, I get Dave's point. Like, I'm not going to say he's wrong. I get his point because. You're walking away from a great player. Now, you could say Barkley could be in that group. The problem is with Barkley is you can't guarantee me that he's going to have a second contract. You can't say for sure. You can't say he's – now, you could say, well, those other guys could get hurt. Yeah, they could, but we know backs have a tendency to not play as well as they get older. And we saw, I uh, actually saw this comp and they had, you know, you guess who it is and they have the measurables there from the combine and everything and like the yards, you know, per attempt. And they had the two running backs and in the middle is obviously Barkley there. One side is Adrian Peterson, the other side is Trent Richardson, right. you know, and then they're right on the exact same line. So you can get, you know, a bus or you get a boom. You can go, you can go either way. Right. But if, say, just say they don't take Barkley, say they take Nelson, nobody's going to bitch at them for taking a guy who goes to the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, you pass Barkley. If they, if they take the quarterback, who doesn't pan out, they're all going to say, why didn't you take the running back? You know, everybody's coming back. Everybody's a genius with an eraser. They're all coming back saying, you should have taken that guy, you should have taken that guy. That's my point of this conversation is, look, if you don't have a gut feeling on the quarterback, if you can't get everybody involved and you're just taking them to fill a depth chart and you're passing one of those players – I think you're making a huge mistake. And as we've said, that's not really Gettleman's MO. We we don't expect him to do that. He tends to lean more towards defense. It, what's the most shocking thing that could happen in that number two pick to you? I think if he took Barkley, it would shock me. It would mm-hmm. go against everything I think the and, Giants believe. And somehow believe that's it. become like the, the common yeah. belief that they will take it, Barkley. It, 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 it would go against everything that George Young, the man who installed the, the whole philosophy at the Giants. It goes back to 1979. I mean, The original G-Man. The original G-Man. He, the, this is who they are. They're big. They're physical. You get a guy like Rokon Smith. Now, he's not Lawrence Taylor coming off the edge. But he can affect the game on all three levels. He can rush the quarterback. He's a better blitzer. They didn't use him a lot blitzing at Georgia. He can cover. He's a playmaker. He's instinctive. Some people think he's Ray Lewis. I don't. I think he's Derek Brooks. I think he's got that kind of ability. I think he's a can't-miss player. And for all those mocks that have him at 12, like San Francisco, would would they would cream their pants if they can get him at 12, right? <laughs> but they know they're not going to get him at 12. Like, And people don't correct the mocks because they're like, oh, what the hell with it, you know? So – I just don't see that. I, I I don't agree with the premise they don't need a quarterback, but I don't I agree with the premise we can't pass a Pro Bowl player. And we're gonna get into the top fifteen defensive players. We've we've leaked into a little bit of that uh, yeah, here. But in a second. the other thing I think the, the Giants did, which I think is interesting, is the Giants brought Mason Rudolph in for a visit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they spent time with him. He's one of the other quarterbacks that they've spent time with. They worked out Rosen, you know, they've spent time with all the other guys. But I could see them taking whether they take Chubb or Smith or Nelson and then trying to take that other pick and trying to get 
or maybe Rudolph makes it to them at the bottom of the first round. Who knows? Or at the top of the second round. Maybe they go in that direction. Try to match it up. But to me, I don't know if you can just walk away from one of those three guys. And you talk about uh, the quarterback Rudolph there. One of the things I do like Rudolph, I told you I liked him, is because he plays baseball. He's a guy that does play baseball. And Russell Wilson's been interviewing all these guys. And uh, he was talking to Baker Mayfield how much that helps him being smaller, being able to find pockets, be able to find windows. Rudolph ran an interesting offense. It was very short, you know, concise passes, short little screens. That's what he ran uh, when he was back in high school. And then he goes to Oklahoma State. He's throwing the ball down the field. Right. And now he's been tabbed as both, but he's been able to play in both systems. Right. So that's one thing you can like about Rudolph. You know, the other thing I thought was interesting, too. I, I mean, look, at the bottom of the first round, I think there, another part I've heard, this is reliably reported to me, that Jacksonville, if – if a quarterback, if Lamar Jackson makes it to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. I think they will take him. And I think that's why... Sorry, Blake. I'm sorry, Blake. But I think that's why there's been so much talk about Lamar Jackson being guaranteed is in the first round. I think enough people have said to the NFL, to Gil Brandt, who brings the players in, hey, look, we would take that guy if he's there. The I mean, Ravens at 16 is The Ravens are there. I mean, yeah. the Chargers brought him in for a workout, and the Chargers are being, you know, the Chargers have told people privately that they were impressed with how he handled their stuff from an, from an intelligence standpoint, how he handled their stuff from a remembering and, and running and calling their offense. So they were impressed. I mean, they're a sleeper team to get Lamar Jackson. I think Baltimore's a sleeper team. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are a huge sleeper team because I think they realize that that player is unique. Can we also talk about that when we talked about the um, last week, we Monday, we talked about the going back and looking at the drafts. Mm-hmm. So I, we're talking I, about mock drafts. It's mock drafts, yeah, six hundred six thousand that are out there. Six hundred, but there's there's enough that are out there, right? So are you saying we need a, a revisionist draft history? Yeah, like to me, this is really what it should mm-hmm. be. But like. So if I'm if I'm a GM sitting in my room and I see this and I look and and somebody was kind enough to put together all these mocks from all different avenues, right? I have them all on a sheet here. The one guy that is in a top five on most everybody's board coming out last year is Arden Key from LSU, mm-hmm. and he we're not edge even ta- rusher, yeah. edge rusher. We're not talking about him in the first round. So obviously he had a bad senior year, right? Because <laughs> he's way down. He's not even he's not even mentioned here as a potential guy. So that would be somebody that I would say. We need to really make sure we got this guy right, like mm-hmm. because maybe we're weighing too much on the senior year. The other guy is Jefferson from Texas, who I've always loved. I mean, he's been in the top ten of pretty much everybody's mock coming in the year. The one I find fascinating, and I'm not picking on the kid, but you can't find Baker Mayfield on this list. Now, Baker Mayfield is the number one player in the draft according to Pro Football Focus, which I respect them. They do their work. Mm-hmm. They do all the. I'm not. I'm everybody's one thing about the draft. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. I work for that website, by the way. So former employer of mine. There you go. I, and, and I want to say I'm not criticizing them at all, but I find it remarkable that last year they put out a mock. Mm-hmm. Okay, they did. They're one of the mocks I'm looking at. Their top rated quarterback was your guy Mason Rudolph. Love it. Okay, their second best quarterback coming off of junior year was jo- was Josh Allen. Their third best was Lamar Jackson. Their fourth best was Rosen. Now they di- they didn't have and their oh I'm sorry. Darnold was their first, Rudolph was their second, Allen was their third, Lamar was their f- was their fourth and Rosen was their fifth. And now Baker Mayfield has, has had- jumped everybody. We've never seen something like this. He's completely leapfrogged people and 
So, so I, I mean, think, he's jumped higher than the Greek, the, the Greek freak has. <laughs> he's, become, mean, he's become Hercules overnight. And I think uh, it is interesting because he has been compared to Drew Brees. But then when you look at it, you know, we talked about Drew Brees is a supreme athlete. He's a great tennis star. He He's bigger. He's faster. Right. You know, he has bigger hands. And then Russell Wilson's the other one he gets compared to. And he's not nearly as fast. And it, there's so many things that Baker Mayfield has to overcome physically. But somehow he's overcome all right, So all my that. question to you, counselor, would be this. Okay, what game... Did you watch this senior season that you would vault to, was it the Baylor game and that vaulted Baylor defense? No disrespect, Maddie, but Baylor had no defense, okay? Was it the Kansas game that you watched? Okay, maybe it was the Ohio State game. Because I know one game that you didn't sit there and re- grade and say that was a really great performance. That's the, that's the Georgia game. Mm. The speed of the game was too much, and when he had to make the throws tight in the pocket, it was a little harder for him. Now, I'm not killing Baker, but I'm just saying, I want to try to figure out, if I was sitting in, if I were John Dorsey sitting in a room, I would want to say, how did this guy jump here? Because Lincoln Riley is an offensive mastermind, and he had Oklahoma's offense. They do looking not. Incredible. I'm going to say this again. They do not run an offense. They run trick plays. Mm-hmm. They run a trick play offense. Mm-hmm. They're great at it. Lincoln Riley does a great job. They run trick plays. Mm-hmm. They do, they have every tendency beater off of every play. You want to run sprint right option? They run sprint right option throwback. I mean, they do everything that they could do. You want to run snag seven? They run snag post. I mean, it's everything they do. I, I give them credit. But to me, I don't know how you can answer that. Like, what has happened? I mean, last year, Darnold was the number one quarterback on these mock drafts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of them. Rosen was in the top two. You know, it, it comes back to, are you making a pick on just the 2017, what you've seen recently, right. or are, are you, you making a pick, an informed pick on 2015, All I'm saying is just don't make the pick based on propaganda, mm-hmm. okay? And do more work on Arden Key, mm-hmm. because obviously everybody thought he was a great player. Now, maybe all this, maybe here's the other part you got to take into consideration. Maybe this was all misevaluation. Maybe the starting premise was a bad premise. Mm-hmm. So you got to weigh that too. Like if you go back and watch junior tape on Arden Key, which I did, and he doesn't play with a lot of power and he doesn't play a lot of physical, you could say, you know, maybe they were wrong about him, right? But Jefferson, I don't think they were wrong about him because Jefferson's tape's pretty consistent all the way through. So to me, that's what I think you have to do. And and I, again, I'm, I'm very, you know, sometimes our podcast gets quoted on Twitter, mm-hmm. but they leave out stuff. I don't know if you're aware of that. Of course, we've, we've seen this. Like they don't finish the sentences, you know? <laughs> yeah. George Will once said it was the greatest line. He said, you know, somebody interrupted him and he said, you know, uh, don't speak for me because I'm an expert on where my sentences are going to go, mm-hmm. which, you know, classic George Will line. Anyway, so the... Don't use the ellipses, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, if put the whole quote in there. <laughs> put the put whole the, quote. That's all we can say. You know, the other guy I want to talk about, Tate Frazier. Running is, back? Yeah. Sonny, Sonny, Sonny Michelle out of Georgia, I was right, going to say. I talked about that people have him as a medical concern and the mm-hmm. concern is his knee's got bone on bone with the knee and I think that's a second contract. So I think, you know, that's where the value comes in. Will he get drafted? Yes. I think that's the concern about and, him. And we talked about this uh, when we did the the 15 offensive guys. He was on your list. He is a one-cut superstar. He is a home run hitter. Right. Uh, he is, you know, a, a star. And we saw that in the – if you watch the Georgia-Oklahoma game, and that's that's your tail of the tape that you right. want to have going to this draft. Sony Michelle stood out in that game. Right. No doubt. Oh, the other thing we got to clarify, too. Did you did you read that Gronk's coming back? <laughs> yeah. We learned via As Instagram. As Pyle would say, surprise, surprise, surprise. My, my, uh, my favorite 
favorite thing was he hashtag at the end bands that make her dance. Yeah. Do you know this? This no. is this is a it's it's a song reference a Juicy J song. So oh, he, really? he referenced uh, P D Pablo uh, in his initial thing, and now yeah. he's referencing Juicy J. It. So this is good for the. It, it seems like the New England Patriots are trying to get into the rap community. I love it. I, they they play rap day. music all the time when we're out of practice. <laughs> I mean, they used to. You know, Probably Meek to. Mill forever now. Yeah, I would think so. But I mean, look, this is I, again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is not about anything wrong in the because. Gronk likes the program. He said he talked to Belichick, and that's he what likes, convinced I mean, Gronk's him. Yeah. a program guy. It's about money, and how do you pay this guy? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's money be green. Yes. How do you pay him? Yes. Like, how do you pay him? I don't know, but Rosenhaus is happy, and it seems like Gronk is Something happy. Something happened in that meeting that made everybody happy. <laughs> a lot of handshakes. And it'd be green. Yes, exactly. And, of course, that uh, leads us to the ZipRecruiter smartest move of the week, and that is brought to you, of course, by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. With the draft being on Thursday, Mike Lombardi, as we know, what move could be the ZipRecruiter smartest play of the week? I think the smartest move of the week was Gronk walking in and with Drew Rosenhaus and having a face-to-face meeting with Belichick. Because I think when people, when people communicate and talk about things face-to-face, that you can work out differences. It doesn't mean it's going to be harmonious, but I think that's a smart move. Instead of trying to do things through the media, where then the media kind of takes it and analyzes it in a different way, just face-to-face. If I got some problem with you, come see me and let's talk. So I think that's the smartest move of the week. That was a good lesson in life. Go and uh, address things head-on. That is the smartest move of the week, and it was brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter find a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Try it free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And now it is time to get before in, we do that, do you yes. watch Bosch? Have you been watching Bosch? No, I haven't. But uh, who, who's in that? Uh, Titus. Uh, yeah, Titus I don't know is the his last name, and then the guy from the the Wire, Jamie Hector, I think it is. Yeah, I was trying to find people that have the name Titus or Tate when we were doing our actor, like Tate Donovan, you know, Lorenz yeah. Tate, stuff it's, like it's that. It's real. I mean, I've watched the first three seasons. I'm on season four. It's really good. It's Titus Wellifer. There you go. Yeah, I got that. But it's kind of neat because it's got a lot of L.A. scenes in it, you know, so you could see like different places. Like I didn't know the the beginning of it is Angel Flight. Have you ever been to Angel Flight? Mm -mm. It's like this, not a monorail, it's like a cable car that goes up in L.A. I never even heard of it before. Oh, is it down by Grand Central Station? It must be, yeah. Yeah, I've actually been right there. Yeah. That's the thing about L.A. I've been so many places you have no idea where you are. There's so many pockets and neighborhoods. All right, let's talk defense, Dave Frazier. Of course, the top 15 players on the defensive side of the football in the 2018 draft. We're going to start out with number one, and if you've been listening to the first half of this podcast, you've probably figured it out, and that is the inside linebacker from Georgia, Roquan Smith. What an upset. Yeah, I mean, look, I think this guy. I, I, the reason I I put him one was because I, I really think the Mike Backer, especially if you have one that can impact the game on third down like he can, or passing downs. He's never coming off the field. Mm-hmm. He can cover. He can attack the pocket. He can play on all three levels of the defense. And he can make an impact. I mean, he makes your defense horizontally fast, and he covers up a lot of sins. I mean, look, Miles Jack, what he did last year for Jacksonville when he's healthy. You know, his speed on that defense in that box area in the front seven, it just makes things so much easier for your defense. covers up so many sins of the front. And this guy is incredible. He's got great instincts. He's tough. I mean, he can do – to me, I, I don't see how he's not – his card isn't turned in 
really in the top three. And picks. you gave out the comp of Derek Brooks. I, I threw out to you. Patrick Willis is another name that no comes doubt. to mind. Yeah. Uh, a guy that's six foot one, but he seems to always know. It's like a supercomputer almost. It, right. it seems like he can adjust to any sort of. He doesn't fall in misdirection, and we saw that in the Oklahoma game. That's why the Georgia defense played so well. Right, and I and I think look when your mic is fast. I, I I've always believed this. When your mic's slow, your defense is slow. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when your mic is fast, your defense is fast. You can be not as fast with other players. Like one of the problems with the Patriots last year was their mic was slow. Their mm-hmm. defense defense was really slow, especially at linebacker. Their horizontal defense was very slow because their fronts, their linebackers had no ability to really cover up and make plays. And, you know, when you watch the games and a guy just misses a tackle, if he's faster, he makes the tackle. And that's where you miss these things. And I think that's where Smith gives so much more to the defense. I mean, he'll make somebody's defense substantially better. And we can always talk about mismatches that we see. And we saw, you know, running backs getting, when they got mismatched on these guys with the Patriots, they had a hard time. And uh, right. Roquan Smith is a guy that can do both. Yeah, you could play him out there. You could call the thing. You don't have to worry about the game. You just call the defense. And uh, for people that didn't see this, this is one hit from Roquan Smith. It was delay blitz against Mississippi State. Uh, the quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald, earlier this season he lights him up and it's a delay blitz and if you want to you know get hyped up on Roquan yeah. Smith go watch that play watch it he's good watch any game watch the, watch watch him play against the great ba- ma- ma- great ba- ba- mega faith great <laughs> Baker Mayfield <laughs> that was good say that three times yeah exactly uh number two on the list we have Bradley Chubb a defensive end out of NC State 26 sacks 60 tackles for loss in his NC State career that broke the record of former number one overall pick Mario Williams uh Bradley Chubb is a lot of people's favorite yeah. uh, player in this draft great kid clean he's perfect he's got all the measurables does all the things you have to do he's going to be a really good player the thing I think that makes him different than a lot of these other guys these edge rushers is he can power back and you got to be able to power a tackle back you can't always just run around the corner because quarterbacks step up if you can play with some power at end and he's got it in his hips and that the North Carolina defensive front was really good they got four guys going to play in pro football and so he was one of those four and he's a really good player you know he can impact it the problem with now is the way the game is when you can move your chess pieces around like Rokon Smith you can move them you can put them over at right end one time you can put them at left end you put them inside you be, you impact the game a lot different whereas Chubb has to line up in one spot and they could set the protection to him and I think that's why I put him a little bit higher and the New York Giants obviously you're trying to replace Jason Pierre-Paul a guy that's been there for so right. long on the defensive line but the Giants are going to a 34 mm-hmm. so if you put if you draft Rokon Smith in a 34 defense and he becomes your will backer he becomes your Mike all of a sudden you're really good mm-hmm. I mean you're like whoa lights out yep. your, your defense is good yep you become a, a star and we should say Bradley Chubb's dad played at Georgia also played in the NFL his brother is on the Lions currently and then of course his cousin Nick Chubb from Georgia. Who I like as a running back a lot. I like Nick Chubb. Yeah, it's good for the Chubb family. A lot, Chubb, of, a lot more Chubbs in the NFL. They, they, I'll tell you what, I would I would invest in those Chubb kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't need balls when you have Chubbs. Uh, let's talk about number three on your list, Derwin James, uh, the safety out of Florida State, a playmaker that people have known for a few years, uh, yeah. probably the last star of the Jimbo Fisher era. There yeah, you know, State. and I mean, look, safety is a, a position where I think you got to have range, you got to have the ability to make plays on the ball, which is critical. You know, it's got your ball skills have to be really good. You can't be just limited to down in the box and all that. And I think James can do a lot of different things for him. And I think he's athletic. He fits the pro style of game. I could see Tampa, who doesn't really have any safeties, jumping all over him. 
And I, I think he's a really good player. He's going to be a starter right away. And he's going to be – eventually we're going to get to the NFL. There's going to be just four corners play back there. There's not going to be any safeties. And I think he's a modern-day safety that can continue to play. And, uh, yeah, we should say Florida State was a nice little fit there maybe with him and Jameis, have him on the other side of the football. Two guys that are familiar with each other. If he ends up in Tampa. Let's get to number four. We have Tremaine Edmonds uh, out of Virginia Tech, a linebacker that a lot of people uh, think may be better than Roquan Smith. Well, you know, there's a lot of different variations on this. A lot of people love Edwards. A lot of people are kind of like lukewarm on him. People question his overall instincts. You know, this is way before your time. There's a linebacker from Texas A&M named Quinton Corriott who went second overall to the Colts. Steve Etman was the first pick. The Colts had two first, picks one and two. Wow. And they picked Steve Etman first, who nearly never played, and Quentin Coriat, who played but wasn't as dominant. He reminds me a little bit of him athletically. He's very athletic. He's a young player. His instincts, He's 19 years old. Right. His instincts know. are not quite what you want, uh, but he can play on all three levels. He's an impact guy, and he's very much like Brian Erlacher in the sense that Erlacher played safety in college. They're going to move him down. They fire, tried him at Sam Linebacker to start off with. They moved him to Mike. You know, So I, I think this guy is a playmaker. I think he's a weapon. And to me, defensively, you got to find weapons. And he's, again, it fits in that theme. Your Mike's slow, your defense is slow. Edwards makes your mic faster. And he's one of those guys, too. If you bring them in and he is 19 years old, you have a lot of time to develop right. him in a lot more years. And you he's talk about the better. second contract. He's yep. going to get better. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's get to number five on the list. That is Marcus Davenport, defensive end out of UTSA. Uh, someone that is sort of just blown up and kind of and kind of gained some steam. Yeah, and then late. he was high rated and people have kind of lowered him down. Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of mocks, I think the guy, again, late he's... Late first round pick. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's yeah. an edge player who's got some power. He can rush. He's got versatility. You know, he played a lower level of competition. I think the guy, look, I think once these kind of guys get off the board, I think that's when the draft falls apart. I think Davenport's one of those ends that you got to have. He's a really good player. I, I think he'll go earlier than most people suspect because I think he's a starter at end. Is there a chance that a team may trade up that's looking for that D yeah. end? Yeah, I think so. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. I mean, he could set the end on the defense. He could play Sam. He could play end. I mean, so you could do some things with him. He could. He's more of an end, but he played on his feet, and I think you can get wide with him. I mean, if you're a 34 team and you were looking for a guy coming off the edge, it's perfect. And if you're you know, trying to if you're there at the 19th pick, if you're the Seahawks and you're trying to trade back, maybe some team that wants a, yeah, a exactly. DM will I trade think that's out what there. they're trying to do. I think mm-hmm. Seattle will do that. Um, let's get to number six on the list, and that is a safety out of Alabama, Minka Fitzpatrick. I saw Nick Saban was going around doing the rounds, the car wash on ESPN was giving this man uh, all the praises in the world, talking about his personality, what he brings to the table with ball skills. What do you see from Minka Fitzpatrick? Well, I, I think that's the thing. I mean, I think he misses some tackles. I think we've kind of overlooked those missed tackles, which has to worry a little bit. Nick mm-hmm. didn't mention that, you know, but. <laughs> Nick likes guys who can make plays on the football, and he does, and he's got instincts. And there's a new position. Like, if you're running a board now, if you're building a draft board, you have to have what I call the star. That's the New England position, the New England name for an an inside corner. And so that star position is a starter. Let's face it. He is a starting position because now when they go to 11 personnel or they go to 12, you put your star out there, which is your nickel corner. He's going to play more than your Mike linebacker if your Mike linebacker is not a three-down player. So this is a value, and this is what Fitzpatrick does. He's another of that player that can play corner safety. He's really neither, but he's both are good. The key that is the most important thing, he's really good with the balls in the air. And that's what you have to be when you've got to make plays. I mean, you can't have – 
where you drop the interceptions because you need the turnovers. You're mm-hmm. going to have 12 possessions. You need those. Yeah, and a lot of people have him uh, going number 11 to the Miami Dolphins, a team that needs some help, some playmaking. Uh, so. Yeah, no, Tannenbaum ain't <laughs> taking a safety. Come on. I mean, Tannenbaum, Tannenbaum's got the 42-ounce bat. He's coming in with the – you know, he's clicked the plate three times, right? You know, he's taking a couple swings. He's yeah. swinging for the fences. I mean, he's – you know, he's going to – He wants the home run that's yeah. going 500 he's feet, He's got not the 42-ounce bat yeah. there. He wants mm-hmm. to go to the press conference and hand it. He can't wait to get to the press conference, hand the jersey. To him. Look, yep. you know, uh, I'm going to trade up to get Baker Mayfield. I'm going to trade up to get somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he, you know, he's clicking that plate three times. He wants the star power. His 42 uh, ounce bat. <laughs> Let's go to uh, number seven on the list. And that's Jair Alexander, a uh, cornerback from Charlotte, North Carolina, played at Louisville. I love this kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched a lot of Louisville games because of Matthew being there. And this kid's a playmaker. He's got instincts. He's fearless, too, which is important. You know, he gets beat, he comes right back and he'll tackle. You know, the other thing about a mic being slow, but if your corners don't tackle, you can't balance your defense. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to tackle a corner. And I think this kid's got athletic skills. I think that I think he's going to improve. He's going to grow into the game. I think he's a really talented player. I like him as my best corner in the draft. Yeah, he's got the height. He's got the speed. And uh, most people say he has a great attitude. And uh, obviously playing for Bobby Petrino. He's learned, been yelled at. Yeah, he's been yelled at. <laughs> so he's learned some character things. Number eight on the list, another guy to the ACC, uh, Harold Landry, linebacker out of Boston College. Yeah, you go back and watch 17 tape on this kid. Look, he's on all these mocks. He's a top first-round pick. But you go back and watch 17. He sets the edge of the defense. He's a power player. He can turn speed to power. He's one of the few edge guys that can really dominate at the position. I think it's... 18 tape wasn't as good as a 17 tape, but this is a really good player. He's above that 18 line of demarcation, so when he goes, there's not going to be more of these guys. I, that's what I like about him. Yeah, we've seen Landry on uh, on the list about 15 somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, right the, in there, the you know, 11, 12. So he's going to go, and I think that that's really where where he would go. And he did have an ankle injury last year, so that was holding him back a little bit for some people that had some concerns with his tape last season. Uh, number nine on the list, we have Rashawn Evans, a linebacker out of Alabama. You know, another guy that makes their defense fast. I mean, he runs to the football, he plays hard, he likes the game, he's a physical tackler. I, I think he's another one of those linebackers from Alabama. You know, you keep wondering, is he better than Reuben Foster? You know, you watch Foster. And and you're watching this kid, and you're like, "Wow, that kid's really good." You know, none of the none of the issues that Foster had coming out, this kid has. So, you know, this will be another good player, a three down player. It is interesting, and Nick Saban actually touched on this when he was doing his like whole interview spill. Was that all these Alabama guys end up getting matched up and compared to previous Alabama guys right. that were stars? So they almost have to beat some sort of previous right. shadows because you're constantly comparing them to mm-hmm. them. It's like you know, when I first got in the league, Lance Mel was a linebacker at Penn State, and every time he went to Penn State, well, he's better than Lance Mel. Well, the guy. <laughs> never end up being better than Lance Mel. Mm-hmm. So the bar was set. You you're know? chasing a ghost You're chasing something. a ghost. Like, let him stay on his own. But what happens to you when you're watching Alabama tape is you see a guy that jumps out to you and like, whoa, who's that guy? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you go look him up and then you, you mem- you know, that goes back to what I was talking about. If you treat 32 college teams like pro teams and you really watch them every single day and watch them, study them, then these guys jump out to you and then you're not comparing them to everybody, you're seeing them on their own. Yep, you see the individual talents that are there. Um, let's talk about number 10 on the list and that is Vita Villa. Uh, the defensive tackle from Washington. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, I, I don't think he's, you know, Danny Shelton was a two-down player. Danny Shelton, the problem with defensive tackles are, is very simple. If I can formation you off the field, now it, don't take downs out of this, Tate mm-hmm. Frazier. Mm-hmm. Downs are meaningless anymore in football. It's formations. If I can formation you off the field, which means if I go to 11 personnel and you got to come off the field, Brandon Williams for the Ravens, for example, is a really good player, getting highly paid. But if I go to 11 personnel, He's not on the field. The Ravens get him off. They go more athletic in their defense. They need more speed inside. 
where I think Vitavi, I think he is athletic enough and has enough quickness. He's explosive off the ball. I don't think you can formation him off the field, which makes him extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. That's the key. You can't formation me off the field. If you can, my value goes way down. And Vita is, uh, I've seen a lot of mock drafts. They have him around 13 going to the, the Washington Redskins. Jim Tomasula, see if he can fix him. Oh, he would be good with Tomasula. Tom, yep. One thing about the Redskins last year, their defense was really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, their defensive front, they just had too many injuries. I don't know what their strength program is like or how hard they work. But when they were healthy at the beginning of the year, I mean, they gave everybody a tough go. They came out here and beat the Rams. I mean, they just didn't have enough depth and they weren't good enough. But if he went there, he would be a good player to go along with Jonathan Allen from last year. That would give them two inside guys that would be tough to block. Yeah, build a f- foundation on that uh, on that front seven for them. Uh, number 11 on the list, we have Denzel Ward, cornerback out of Ohio State. We saw, we saw that work well last year for the Saints. Yeah, look, I, I, I take Frazier, there's certain things that bother me. The Big Ten always bothers me, but Ohio State isn't the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I count the Ohio State as the, as the Southeast They're Conference. one of those 32 teams. They're, they're definitely one of those. And so is Wisconsin, but like corners from the Big Ten bother, always scare me. Mm-hmm. But corners from Ohio State don't necessarily worry me as much. But the ones from the Big Ten do. That's why Josh Jackson from Iowa, people have him way up there. Mm-hmm. He's a zone corner. Like, you can't take a zone corner. You just can't. I mean, you can't play. At some point, you have to play man-to-man. You know, so when you're filling out your mock, at some point, you got to play man-to-man. You just can't play zone. If you want to play zone, third and six, they're going to run wide stick, and you're going to get first down, first down, first down. Next thing you know, you got to lock up man-to-man, and you got to have enough speed I think this kid's really a good corner. I think he could play in it. I think he's a, a different than the other corners. I like him. I think he's athletic. I think he's not quite as good. Now, I hear Denver is in love with this player and could easily pick him in the top 10, whether that, whether that remains to be seen. Maybe that's why Denver's talking about trading down if they don't go with the quarterback, because they maybe feel like they can get him a little later. Yeah, there may be an example where a team wants to trade up into their spot and uh, and make that fifth pick uh, to get one of those quarterbacks, especially if they start going quickly. Uh, let's get to number 12 on the list. I'm going to botch his name, but he is the linebacker from Boise State. I'm just going to call him Lighten Vanderish. Yeah, he's a one-year starter. He's big. He's quick. He's the perfect kind of New England Patriot type of player. He's got instincts. I think the Cowboys like him a lot. Mm -hmm. I think they've been talking to him. He's got instincts. He can play off the ball. The problem here, he's only a one-year player. But he's a good one-year player. So you wonder why he didn't play before. But he's a really good player. He's got the ability to make plays. He gets he can play in the he can take on people. He's not going to get bounced around. You know, oftentimes with these linebackers, is they play like they're covering punts. Mm-hmm. They take nobody on, and they just run to the football. So it looks like they're just covering punts. And, and the fans say, oh, he made three tackles. But, you know, he, he missed – you know, he, he ran around a block, which opened up a huge – you know, so you, they're like covering punts. This kid at least can play and stack the gap. That's why I think Cowboys like him because he fits what they do defensively. Yeah, and he was the Mountain West player of the year. Uh, obviously, there's not a lot of tape on him, but his 2017 season We'll have to call Muss and see if he scouted him. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Muss is in the Mountain West, right? Yeah, of course. All right. Yeah, he'll check it out. Uh, let's get to number 13 on the list, and we're going back to Alabama. That is Deron Payne, the defensive yeah. tackle. Some some compared him to Terrence Cody. He's just one of those types of guys. Yeah, but he's better, he's faster than Cody. He's he can play. You can't formation him off the field. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Nick changed his defense, and this is what makes Nick such a great coach. Is Nick saw that he was going to have a hard time playing the Codys and those the Mount guys. Codys of the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he changed philosophically what he was doing, and he got bigger defensive tackles that can run and can rush the passer. And that's the number one thing they're doing down there. And I think that's where Payne's really good. I think I might be a little low on Payne. I think I should have moved him up as much as, as, much as I love defensive linemen. But, uh, you know, I probably should have him higher than some of these other guys. But I think he's a really good player, and you can't formation him off the does field. It, does he get compared to Marcel Darius at all? 
you know, he's got more motor to him than mm -hmm. Darius had, uh, but they're similar in what they do. When Darius wants to go, uh, there was nobody who really, you know, he, you know, Darius needs to be pushed and motivated, but when he wanted to go, wow. Yep, the number three pick we all remember. Number 14 on the list, we have Mike Hughes, the cornerback out of the UCF team that some people think, yeah, you know, Tied for the national title. Look, I think I, we, we that's one of the great schools of all time. I mean, mm -hmm. they get more players in there. This kid's athletic. He understands. He's got ball instincts. Congratulations, he, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Mm -hmm. I mean, he put them on the map. Yeah. You know, and so I think this kid's got real good skills. He can cover. He's got change of direction ability. And again, ball skills. Balance and ball skills when you evaluate corners is the most critical component. You've got to be able to have balance because if you're not in balance and the ball's in the air, you have no ball skills. And some of these guys, that's why people say, well, you know, some of these NBA players could be great corners. They could because they have balance, but the ones that don't have great balance or rebound, they can't. And this kid can do that. Yep. Let's get to number 15, which is just a group of sleepers. Some yeah, guys these that are you like, think like, will be. Yeah, yeah, these are guys that are not going to be in the top 15. We talked about Jefferson from Texas, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's a really good player. I think his measurables, I think he's being a little bit over-evaluated because he has too much tape. I think he'll be a really good player. He may not go to, to, to Friday, which he probably will on Friday, but I think somebody's going to get a really good player. I think he can take on. I think he can run to the ball. I like him. And let's go to Rutgers. Another guy, Kamiko Toure, um, who now this is the sleeper of all. Yeah. Like he's, I can't find him on anybody's list. Right, <laughs> six and, six, two hundred twenty pounds. Yeah, athletic. Not a lot of production in terms of scouts, but in terms of being physical and setting the edge of the line of the defense. Wow, I mean, wow, and athletic. Now, you know, people, people that go into Rutgers say, well, they say he's not real tough or he's not this. Look, all I could tell you is when I watched him play, he's physical, he sets the edge, and he punched people in the mouth. Do I wish he had more production? Yeah. But he's a kid. He's a little bit like the defensive end from Maryland who went to who went to Jacksonville and rushed the passer. I can't pronounce his last name, and I don't want to butcher him. <laughs> but, you know, he went in the third round to Jacksonville, and he could run the corner. This kid's more athletic than him, and he plays with toughness. And I think this kid's kind of getting – labeled something, but I think he's a true sleeper, and I think this guy's going to be a really good pro, assuming that he can develop into the skills he needs as a rusher, but he can set the edge I think the I think the sky's the limit. And we had the conversation about you know being able to go back to the 15 or 16 season and seeing where these guys are ranked or where they are now, trying to find hidden gems. Is there is there another way to look at this when you have a guy like Ture that's sort of you know come on the scene late? Right, you know, know. didn't play high school football. You know, play very limited high school sort football. Sort of like Ziggy Anza. Yeah, exactly. He's he's developing as he goes. And you know, look, uh, Bill Walsh said this all the time. When schools lose, um, what was Rutgers' record this year? It was not great. Yeah, all right. He used to say this all the time to the scouts, and he's right. He said, when you go into a losing program, don't listen to the coaches talk about the players because that's how they have to justify why they lost. Okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, I'm not saying Rutgers is lying, but I'm not uh, I'm not saying that Louisville's bashing Lamar because they lost, but you have to take what they say with a true grain of salt. Like, there's a reason it ain't the coaches' fault why we lost. It's the players' fault why we lost, and that's what they're telling you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really objective and look at it and make a decision. And I think, you know, the Rutgers – Look, I think this guy, I watch this guy play. I wish he had more production on tape. I wish he finished the sacks and tackled better in the pocket. But I don't know very many guys who could set the edge on the line of a defense. I mean, he's as close to Landry when he wants to do it. Yeah, and let's talk about just some other guys that didn't quite make the list. Dante Jackson out of LSU is another name that came up. Um, is there anything that, you know, I've seen him jump up into the 17-20 range on some Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of LSU's program is, is they got so many guys down there that you could really feel like 
that could move up there and they're athletic enough. And he could have easily been in, in the top 10, a top 15 of ours as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maurice Hurst is another name defensive tackle that's, out of Michigan. That, that's going to be a hard one because I'm not sure he's been cleared medically by a lot of people. And I think that's he's going to tumble. They don't send you home from the combine. Mm-hmm. Because you just have something minor. They send you home because it's a serious thing. Mm-hmm. And now I know everybody says it's been cleared up. I would go back and double check that. I don't think he's on a lot of people's board. He might be on some boards, but I don't think he's on a lot of people's board. Uh, Sam Hubbard, an edge rusher yeah, out of Ohio good player. State. Okay. You know, he's a good player. I think he's a good player. Solid starter. People have him in the first That's round. That's when we get that echelon of the, yeah. the second wave of yeah, guys like, once you get like 25, yeah. somewhere around there. Right. And I think, you know, uh, the, the kid from Mississippi State, Sparks, I think mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's another good player who plays hard, makes production tape. Hubbard's a good player, moves around, can play some nickel, can, went inside, play a little nickel tackle. Uh, you know, but there's not like is he a Pro Bowl the elite? I just didn't see it on the tape. Uh, Duke Dawson is another guy, slot corner that some people like to be yeah. able to match up in the slot with some guys. Which is to me, it's a whole position, mm-hmm. and that position has to tackle really well. Like that has to tackle. If you can't tackle inside and you can't play, if you're 185 pounds and you're trying to play slot corner and you've got run support. You better be a tough son of a bitch, and you got to be able to take those those blockers on because you got to set the edge of the defense if it's run, and so that's why we have these tight ends that are these big tight ends is because teams want to take that 185 pound star corner and make them play out there and then get a matchup with these big tight ends and then feel like they got the advantage and then their tight end doesn't have to be a man-on-man blocker and you talked about the the three can't miss guys that are in this draft two of them are defensive guys do you, do you see like this draft will end up being more of a defensive it's side way more defensive round. it's yeah. way there's no real there's no offensive there's not very many offensive there's developmental offensive tackles but there's no star tackle in this draft and so the offense and so so this is what makes this a unique draft because these quarterbacks, nobody's in love with any of them. Okay, mm-hmm. nobody's in love with any of them. And if you grade them all honestly, you're not grading them higher than Smith. You're not grading them higher than than Chubb. It seems like we're trying to go for the safe pick now, quarterback, as opposed yeah. to the best. pick. And you're not grading them higher than the Nelson. You're not grading them higher than those guys. You you know. And so if you stay to your board, so if you're Tampa and you don't need uh, you don't need a quarterback, you're going to get a blue chip player. You should get a blue chip player. And if you're if you're Denver and you don't draft the quarterback, you should get a blue chip player. And to me, there's three of those guys in this draft. And there's a lot of drafts where there's some of these, none of these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, people say you can't take a guard. Well, Warmack and Cooper went, you can't use them as an example. They were not good. They ended up not being good picks. This kid, to me, is a good player. You just watch the North Carolina State game when Nelson blocks every guy in front of him as a pro player, and he blocks them. Mm-hmm. And that's a great tape to look at, especially if you want to see Chubb on the other side go, go against an NFL guy. Um, is there any big picture thing you want to take away from the defense? Is looking at these guys, I mean, is this, is this the draft of the offensive or the outside linebacker? Uh, no, I think there's not enough edge guys in this draft, mm-hmm. and so you better get one. The Davenport, you better get one, and then you got to hope for a guy, and you got to try to manufacture guys. I, I, I think this is going to be a draft where. From 19 on, I think it's going to be a bunch of names in there that are people are going to pick. Hayden Hurst, the tight end. You know, there's mm-hmm. good players, but they're not. A, there's always something a little bit wrong with them, and I think that's where. But one of the one of those 18, if you can get one of those guys, you have a really good pick. Or maybe you make that pick. You make the Arden Key pick at 28. You know, you maybe yeah. just. I, I don't even before. know if he's that high anymore. You mm-hmm. know, I think he's kind of slid down. He's probably wondering, you know, what happened. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know, it's <laughs> going back and reading those old mock drafts like we were. Um, we will be here tomorrow, Thursday, uh, at the Ringer headquarters here in Los Angeles. We will be watching everything that is going on with the NFL draft. We're going to do a 15-minute pre-show before the draft actually kicks off, and then we will do live reaction videos here uh, at the Ringer, and then we will do a GM Street reaction podcast after the first round of the NFL Looking draft. Looking forward to it, Tate Frazier. It'll be good. Uh, this is, once again, GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will see you tomorrow on draft day.